You're listening to the AID Network. This is the story of a beautiful place known as the happiest place on earth. And all of its history, its secrets, and its tricks that you may find if your mind believes in design and you allow your heart to believe in magic. Step inside and become a citizen of Disneyland. Hello, fellow citizens of Disneyland. Well, let me make it clear. In my heart, I'm a citizen of Disneyland, but I still haven't gotten the button after only 220 visits to the magical place known as Disneyland. Cast member still hasn't given me the button. My name is Mark Pricky. I'm the host of the Adventures in Design Network. I am a lover of Disneyland, a newfound lover of the park, and I was lucky enough at one point in my career to be able to do some illustration work for the Wonderground Gallery, where I met my co-host, Jared Marayuma. You may know Jared Marayuma because his work is at Wonderground Gallery, it's in Disneyland, it's in Disney World, and it's in the parks in Asia and Europe. Jared's been able to create the hipster Mickey that folks love so much and migrate from that to just the kingdom of cute. Give him something from Disneyland that we all love, and my bud Jared will find a way to make it even cuter. Our podcast is different than some of the other Disney-focused podcasts. It's through the perspective of the design of the park. To what I would say is maybe the most perfectly designed thing on planet Earth. Listen along as we go through the parks, looking at all the details that make Disneyland feel so magical and so special to us all. In episode one, we're going to take a deep dive at the heart of the park, Main Street, USA. So sit back and let's go back to the turn of the century and explore possibly the most perfect part of all of Disneyland. Even though Jared Mariuma and Mark Bricky have both worked for the Disney Corporation, this is a fan podcast that in no way is associated with the Disney brand, Disney family, or the Disney parks. It is made with love by two fans. Jared. Yes, sir. You, are we ready to do this? I'm ready. Are I'm we, more than ready. Are, do you think we are equipped and prepared and ready to talk about sweet, sweet Disneyland? Always. Always ready. Always ready to talk about it. Jared, you've had a big year. Looking back on 2018, thank you. And not only working with Wonderground Gallery, which is where Jared and I met, both being artists that were showing there a couple of Decembers ago, but you've gone from working at the gallery to having items pop up in the park. Yes, you're on the other side of the train, my friend. <laughs> which is is just completely. I mean, getting to work for Disney is such a career high. I know for both of us. Yeah. But there's always, you know, there's your dream. Maybe your dream's living by water. Right. But what body of water do you live next to? <laughs> and so being inside of of the train, being inside the walls of 1313, it's got to feel so amazing. Like the dream just keeps getting better. Well, you know, I think every boy dreams of having balloons in Disneyland. No. no nobody does. <laughs> 
but it's one of those things where when it happens, uh, it's amazing how it's sort of this emotional gut punch right then and there that you see this thing. You see not only a vendor carrying all these balloons, but people walking around with them. And it's just something you're kind of not prepared for. And right. Yeah. It surprised me how sort of emotional it was to see that. Well, with the balloon, it it's like on one hand, it's the most disposable mm-hmm. piece of trash that gets sold to guests. Exactly. But the and every parent's like, "Are you sure you don't want a toy <laughs> instead?" But the balloon captures the innocence of a child. Mm-hmm. A kid's not worried about tomorrow. A kid's not worried about the drive home. A kid's not worried about where the balloon lives. A kid just sees the magic of the balloon and the Mickey shaped balloon, and then the balloon inside of the balloon. How do they figure out that technology? Yep. NASA's yep. still trying to figure it out. <laughs> like we're going to get a man to Mars before we figure out how to put that balloon inside of the balloon. But you now have a character design balloon where there's the outer shell, right? The outer sure. balloon. Yeah. Uh, the one that we're allowed to touch, not the core of the magic, yeah. has a repetitive pattern of characters that you've done on it. Right. Right. So originally it was characters that I had designed for uh, Shanghai Disneyland, and that's where the balloon first appeared, which was exciting in itself to see that. Uh, and I never thought it would make its way domestically or to, to our park. So. But doesn't something in Shanghai feel... Like, yeah, I know that it exists, Mm -hmm. but technically I also know that the North Pole's a thing. I've never really seen it, but I know like Santa Claus hangs out there, you know, 364 days out of the year, but I don't, but now the balloons come home to California, which is wild. Right. Well, just Disneyland specifically. So if it, even if it was just in Florida, I would still feel a little incomplete. Right. Not having that here in Disneyland. So. Which you've kind of set up a great topic of, I know that we both enjoy Disney as a, as a company Mm -hmm. that makes really quality entertainment. But I think that our, we have in common, our real obsession when we look at the company is Disneyland, the park, the Anaheim, California original, the only one that Walt ever actually went to. That's where our, that's where my obsession with the company comes from. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, and when me and my wife moved out here six years ago in March, the cost of living to Southern California right. is enormous compared to the, to the rest of the country. So we're coming from upstate New York. We moved out here and going to Disneyland and realizing the magic of its design and that it's so much more than, you know, the annoyed dad who's like bottles of water or five dollars. Like if that's the way you're looking at it, <laughs> you're missing the magic, my friend. Right. And and really studying the history and how everything there has a significance or a meaning to it, or it's a sleight of hand to make something else happen. Um, so my first couple of years of living here, when life would get too heavy, when life would get too stressed out. I would end a very long day of working for myself. I'd go to bed and I'd pull up Mice Chat mm-hmm. and read one of their Disneyland updates. Shout out to Dusty. Or <laughs> I would go if it wasn't a Monday. And that's also when Dateline Disneyland was a weekly mm-hmm. article that I would just like that would come up in my RSS feed. I'm like, hold on to it until you need it. Like that was a special <laughs> moment. But when those weren't around, I would go over to uh, Wikipedia. Yeah. And, you know, you, you go to Main Street. Mm-hmm. That's your topic. And then they'll mention, you know, the, the Opera House. So right. then you go over and read the Wikipedia entry about the Opera House. But then that'll take you over to the the World's Fair in 64. So the, the spider web right. of knowledge that was Disneyland, it was just my bedtime story. Hmm. It was something that I cared about, something I was passionate about. It 
um, exercised that creative part of my brain, but it did the most important thing. It took me away from my own fears, my own insecurities, my own daily struggles. And in a way, I think that's why so many people love going to the park because for one day, the family hopefully doesn't argue. Uh, mom and dad aren't stressed out. Like it, it brings people together. Yeah. I and think, when we're in there, we're someplace special. I think that's the best. That's the best you can hope for with a Disneyland guest though. Because I think if you do go specifically, cause I have to ride this thing or I have to experience this one thing, it can be a little frustrating. So I think the best fans are the ones that go like that because of the, uh, the environment that whether right. you get on space mountain or not, it's a, an amazing day. Nonetheless, I did want to ask you though, because you didn't grow up going to this park, you don't really have childhood memories of it. Was it, an instant thing when you moved here and you went for the first time that, that this was the impact it had, or did it grow quickly? So I went to world as a kid with my mom and that's a whole other subject matter. Um, so I have very odd memories because I have odd memories of my relationship with my mother. Right. So uh, Disney world, Mm -hmm. where I come from in the Midwest, I was born and raised in Kentucky. And when you're from that part of the world, it's like going to Disney world, is this ultimate fantasy. Yeah. And a lot of people would jump the gun and maybe take the kids too young. I think I was four, five, six when I went the first time. So old enough to have memories of it, but I could never really piece together what the adventure was. So when I went to Disneyland for the first time as an adult, I believe it was 2010, my mind was kind of putting together some of these memories that I had Mm. and mostly my memories all revolved around the haunted mansion. Mm. And I think probably that what scares you is what sticks with you. Yeah. And so I I went there in 2010 on a whim with a friend. I'm like, well, what are we going to do on this day? We have off in California. And he's like, well, you, I was like, do you mind taking us to Disneyland? I've never been. (laughs) And so when I walked in, it, it just like hour by hour, I started to realize as an adult that the magic was real, mm-hmm. that this was, was an experience that was above and beyond any other consumer experience I've had, any other entertainment experience I had. And so I just, I kind of picked up on it, but then that's when I started pulling that thread yeah. of how do the rides work? What's the significance of mm-hmm. this? And it was just so great because the more I pulled on that thread, the more they came out. I mean, just yesterday, I learned a mind-boggling thing about Main Street, <laughs> which I'm just still like, I could make an eight-part Netflix series <laughs> on, on this subject matter. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's how it kind of um, evolved for me. But, you know, you're going to go out to Florida at the end of this month. Right. You'll be a part of the the, the festival you're doing out there is? The Epcot International Festival of the Arts. Awesome. Yeah. So you're out in Florida living the Disney World lifestyle for a week. (laughs) Do you have, I mean, don't get me wrong. Going to a Disney park is a fantastic experience. Always. Yes. You know, when we went to Paris, that was my big deal with my wife. I'm like, I will go on a European vacation. (laughs) One day we'll be spent at Disneyland Paris. And, you know, I I absolutely loved it, but it didn't feel like here in Anaheim. Right. It didn't feel like Disneyland. So when you're out in Orlando for a week doing signings and releasing products and meeting and greeting people, having a good time, can you still get to the magic that we got to last night? Uh, no, no. It's a very different feeling over there. And I don't have, uh, again, I don't have any association with uh, Disney World as a kid. So there's not a lot of nostalgia for me. And I end up comparing mainly Magic Kingdom to Disneyland and that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, they have more parks there. There's right. a lot more to do and there's a lot to see. I'm pretty busy when I go, so I don't get a lot 
lot of free time to just wander and soak things in. If anything, it's like you're going to rush over to try to do Toy Story Land or see right, it. And, right. Uh, so it tends to be, even though I'm there for like five days, uh, it seems it goes by very quick, uh, whether that's because of meetings or other things that are taking place there. So uh, I haven't been there in quite some time where I just went to go. So that's usually when it feels more like you have a, an association with any of that there. Well, I've already decided that the next time you go out there, yeah, I'm hitchhiking. I think to, you should. I.e., I'm crashing <laughs> in your hotel room for free to bring down the overhead. <laughs> but, okay, so work me through this. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that you have magical childhood memories of Disneyland? Oh, absolutely. Um, certainly from when I was... Uh, not very young. I, I think I did go when I was too young, probably like when you first went. And right. I don't really remember. Right. It's more like you kind of piece things together because you know the park and people have told you over the years like, oh, you liked this. Um, but I, I think it was actually more, I think around like Star Tours and Captain EO when that opened. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like that that was a big deal. We went specifically for that. And, so and you would drive was, down from San Jose? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's that like? The, the the family packs everything up, and you, is please tell me it was a station wagon with wood on the side of it. It wasn't a station wagon, but it was a huge Buick Riviera. So nice. it could have been okay, okay. Yeah. And so you're just like you're heading down the highway, you're sitting in the back seat, no iPad, no iPhone. Mm-hmm. Somebody called the police. Right. This child doesn't have a screen in front of his face, <laughs> and you just you know that you're embarking on this Disney journey did you guys have family live down here would you have to go stay in a hotel motel uh yeah we'd stay in a hotel um you know it's funny i I almost hate to say this story but we weren't crazy disney back then uh so it wasn't like we were begging to go to disneyland all the time and that's kind of why we took this trip because we were interested in star wars we were Mm. interested in michael jackson uh and so we did want to go for that and so an ip got you out to the park that's right and (laughs) how interesting that would (laughs) work disney ip (laughs) yeah i'm the worst i wonder if that magic's gonna work again in 2019 we'll see we'll We'll see So um, it, it wasn't until much later, kind of like you with Disneyland. I wasn't as old as you were when you went, um, but it was later on that yeah. I had this great affection for the park. Um, but based on things that I knew, like Small World, I vividly remember Small World from mm-hmm. when I was very young. And like you, the Haunted Mansion and freaking out about going in there and all of that stuff. But uh, yeah, uh, my affection for the park has certainly grown more in the past 15, 20 years. I also think, though, that society has created this fondness for the park in the last Mm -hmm. decade or so. Like it's become a very uh, part of the Southern California lifestyle Disneyland has. And, and, you know, I think that we're, there's a couple of generational shifts now where people have always been around it. Mm -hmm. So that whole, Oh, it's so expensive. Like that's not really a part of the consumer that goes out there. And, you know, we were having a a very amazing experience last night. We got to go to the salon at club 33. Yes. And, you know, we were talking um, to our host that, that treated us to the night. And I was telling him, I was like, you know, so many of those people out there right now, they, they might not be able to, totally afford what they're doing, Mm -hmm. but they find the money for it because the more troubling the world gets and the, and the more that, you know, things get expensive and people can't buy homes or maybe get the job that they want. It's just like the more stress there is, 
the more relaxing it is inside the park. Right. You know, that, right. that medicine is even sweeter. And I, I think that as the world's gotten kind of crazy and hectic over the last decade, mm-hmm. people like that nostalgia, the vibe of Disneyland going inside there and letting all your troubles go away. Absolutely. You know, the lay of the land, you know, you know what to expect. And there's like enough surprises to make it like every visit, something different. But yeah, I agree. Yeah. It, it's, it's interesting because, you know, people, would look at how could you go to this thing so many times? Like people that don't get yeah, it have never been like, right. this guy goes to Disneyland once a week. How could you do that? I'm like, well, first off, no two trips are the same mm-hmm. because different people you have different experiences with. And, you know, maybe I'm showing somebody from, you know, Australia, a couple right. from Australia that came over here. And I'm like, yeah, I'll show you around for the day. And so I'm showing them not only Disneyland and, and California Adventure for the first time, but I'm really introducing them to so much of the culture that is America. Mm. And, and then that little cherry on top that is Southern California living. Yeah. So that experience is going to be very different than just going with some locals, getting fried chicken and never leaving our booth right. at, at Plaza Inn right. and hanging out until midnight, you know? And so it's like <laughs> each experience is different. So I always tell the people like, well, do you have a community park where you live? Oh, yeah. I take my kids there all the time. Mm-hmm. You take your kids there all the time? Don't you ever get sick of taking your kids to that park? How right. dare you? So, <laughs> I, you know, I just think that you have to kind of experience it to be a part of it to get it. But before we get into today's deep dive on the design of Disneyland, where we're going to look at Main Street, specifically nice. Main Street and Center Street, what do you have coming up next? We saw balloons in the park. We saw uh, Kingdom of Cute Toys. We saw that you got to do the the figures of the, the they're not robots, but the, the characters that come out on the clock of Small World. Right, right. Big year for you getting inside the wall. Is there anything that you can tell us that you know that's coming up in early thir- or 19? Uh, so I'm releasing some new pieces, four new pieces for uh, Epcot, uh, International Festival of the Arts. And that's going to carry over back to Anaheim. So we'll, we'll play that out. There's a few other things that I'm not sure about the release dates yet and, and stuff that's coming way later in the year. And I'll have to talk about that in the future. Uh, Mickey's birthday thing is going to continue, obviously, into this year, too. So we've got some more stuff coming with that, too. So as oh, soon as I can announce it, <laughs> I'll talk about it. Hold on. We already, we already have fan mail. All right. It's a listener letter. Look at that. And it says, hey, guys, I'm a big fan. I was wondering if I could get a shout out on my birthday. M. Mouse. Well, happy 90th, Mickey. <laughs> so, so glad you enjoy our podcast. Well, you know, speaking of Mickey's birthday... We just, last night, Jared and I were one of the people that decided to shut down the holiday season. Yes. And uh, always bittersweet when Christmas goes away. For sure. But coming up this month is the year-long celebration of Mickey's birthday party, which is going to include a fireworks show on the weekends Mm -hmm. and then, I guess, a projection experience all around the park Monday through Friday. And um, there's a, I think there's an interesting play in there that they're just saying... Fireworks on the weekend, you know, because if if I if my content is correct, every time they do fireworks, mm-hmm. they basically lose EPA points. Hmm. Yeah. And so they're always, you know, but hey, we did this, so we earned back more EPA points. So I'm projecting that I have yes. no sources at all. Okay. This is completely me being a fan. Good. I think that only doing the fireworks on the weekend is true to most of the um you know, uh, non-busy season. You know, mm-hmm. they do that in the winter. But they are launching something new, and they're going out of the way to say fireworks on the weekend. Hmm. I think there might be some sort of big show 
that has to do with the Galaxy's Edge. Oh, and interesting. maybe we're holding on to some of our good neighbor credits until the un- big until because it seems as if the Galaxy's Edge would be big enough to house some sort of evening show. And and you know when they made California Adventure, the 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 real big investment on that mm-hmm. was the Plaza to do World of Color. Right. So the evening show, who knows? So do you think? Are you saying? Mr. Bricky, that uh, the the fireworks would be sort of launched around specifically Galaxy's Edge, like it would be a different location than what we're currently seeing, or it would just be themed to Star Wars. Or maybe there might be a Star Wars specific nighttime event in in that section in the, the Galaxy's park. Edge, right. you know, because what it has going for it is it is on a backside. It is right next to Toontown, which is where the fireworks yes, go off. Right, and you know it's going to be state of the art. It, it has all of those mountains everywhere. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe they tell us a Star Wars story at night. Yeah. It seems like something like that is inevitable. It'd be interesting to see if they yeah. go right out the gate with that. Okay. So before we get going, I will say this. The Disneyland Pass, the tickets, they've gone up. We're going to talk about that in today's bonus content. But I just want to work people through through this mindset. <laughs> I fell in love with Disneyland when I was on a life high of moving to California and everything was new. Right. But I also fell in love with Disneyland in a moment of like, Oh my gosh, I just made my life costs go up Mm -hmm. 600%. And so when Beth and I came out here, we found our house, we found where we're going to live. And I knew that we had a rough financial future. Sure. I mean, how could it not be moving across the country's hard on anyone, regardless, even if your company moves you out and you have a $20,000 moving budget or whatever, I knew it would be difficult. So I said to her, I said, let's take the money that we have today. Let's get passes Mm. because we can go out and eat dinner and blow through $120 in an hour and a half. Yeah. And then what do we do? Or we could spend that money and we could have Disneyland whenever we wanted. We can spend an entire day out there. We we could buy something to eat out there. Or we could just go out there and do a nighttime lap. But when we're out there, we'll be in the magic. We'll be, you know, in, experiencing all that inspiration, mm-hmm. falling in love with all that. And we'll just kind of get away, recharge our emotional batteries, and be ready to fight hard the next day. One of the best financial decisions I ever made in my life. <laughs> now, your wife is is not as into it as you are. Few people are. Um, Thank you. What was her What was her thought then on getting passes? Did she think like, oh, I don't know? No, no. Or? She. So you know the. I'm not going to say that she got sick of the park, right? But I fell more in love, and she fell in like. <laughs> And, you know, she enjoys it. She likes the magic of it. She really enjoys it. And, you know, that first year when it's like, well, date night at Disneyland, let's do it. Let's go. It just really kind of gave us something to do. And, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, it was also that newness of this is something we can have that is supposed to be this save up for it for three years. Yeah. Load up the kids, you know, give the dog extra food, have grandma come over and let them out twice a day. <laughs> We're going to Disneyland. Right. And the fact that that's you and I could be there in 30 minutes from now, mm-hmm. it just was the real exercising. This is what we bought into, but the moving to California. That's great. Like, so my question I didn't ask earlier, which I should have was, did you have a preconceived notion before going to Disneyland? Did you think it's no big deal? Like were you a blank slate or did you think, eh, eh, let's I, check it out? I kind of always, I remember seeing Viewmaster slides and things <laughs> when I was a kid, yeah. you know, of what it looked like. And I've always been drawn to, um, 
environmental design. Right. If there's right. a carnival, if there's an amusement park, I'm the first guy that wants to go and see how it's built. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just there's something I love about entertainment design in a live space. I'm not a big roller coaster guy. Right. Right. I'm not a big rides guy. Like, you know, when people say, oh, I can't wait for this to happen for Galaxy's Edge. I want to go on the Millennium Falcon or I want to see the First Republic. I'm like, I just want to walk through it. Yeah. I just want to walk through it. I want to experience it like a park in my neighborhood. I want to sit on a bench. I want to watch people get frustrated for how long the lines are. (laughs) And so to me, I knew it was going to be something special, but I didn't know that this park was going to be so nostalgic Mm -hmm. and and so vintage, you know, and have that old charm to it. So what do you say? We just stop talking about what we're going to talk about and let's take a walk down main street, USA. Let's do it. Thank you for joining myself, Mark Bricky and Jared Mariuma for the first ever episode of Disneyland for designers. If you'd like to get in contact with us, reach out at AID podcast on Instagram or online at AID.network. Wherever you're listening to this today, please give us a positive review and as many stars as possible. Sharing this show will help it grow and continue to come to you each and every month. Let's get started with today's feature of Main Street USA. When you look at Disneyland, I think that the heart of the park, I mean, I know that it's obviously Sleeping Beauty's Castle. Right, right. But to get to that moment, to get to anywhere really, you got to go down Main Street, USA. And I think that it's one of those things that could often get overlooked because you're a Space Mountain person. Right. Or you love Pirates of the Caribbean or you love, you know, the holiday version of the Haunted Mansion. But to me, the Main Street, USA, it is such an important part of the park mm-hmm. that I often think could easily get overlooked because it's shops and it's, you know, restaurants. It's just them trying to get your money. Like, yeah, no. do they give shop, right. Yeah, but it's actually, it's so much more than that. It so is. one of the things that we'll be doing on our show is making sure that we always look at the context in when things are built. Because one of the beautiful things about Disneyland is it is a living, breathing piece of art, but it's also a historic thing that, that we have here in America that will... I can't see it ever going away. Mm -hmm. And you have to always look at the context of things. So in 1955, when Main Street USA was built, you have to just keep this in mind. This was before everyone was jumping on airplanes. You know, like there wasn't a such thing as Southwest Airlines. You know, you couldn't put on a sweatsuit and get on a plane and and be across the country (laughs) in, in three and a half hours. It just didn't work that way. And these buildings, this Victorian style of architecture, it doesn't exist here in Southern California. Right. Now to the guy who just goes, Oh, nope. Have you seen the corner over on orange main? No, <laughs> I know that they're, they're sprinkled about. Sure. But that concentrated and that they look like they just finished painted them mm-hmm. this morning. Yep. And they look like that every morning. Yeah. So to see that many of them together, you know, that's the style of architecture you see on the other side of the country when it was all being built. But by the time California got going, California was on to a different vibe. So imagine it's 1955. You've never been on an airplane. You've grown up in Arizona or, or California. Mm-hmm. That's the part of the country you know. You walk down that street, and not only is that the style of the buildings, but you have the gas lamps. You have mm-hmm. the old school tobacco Indian. You have the the clock. You have the horse tie-ups. Like, 
it is meticulously right. from the 1900s, the turn of the old century. And as you go in there, like we did last night on our research, it's still very much decorated from that time period. Mm-hmm. Up yeah. above all the merchandise, there's a real treat to look at. Absolutely. No, I think it's, um, to me, it's like the opening theme song to, to a show, like a TV show. Like it's, right. it's cleansing the palate. It's getting you ready for this other world. And to me, that's like the most, that is the single most emotional part of the day for me, no matter what, every single time, yeah. whether it's that music that you hear or it's the smells of the whatever. Um, it's my favorite part of the day. So yeah, you can't run past that. That music loop yeah. that plays through there. The holiday loop is fantastic. Right. It's such a good, it's such a nice, subtle Christmas without ever getting, you know, too churchy or too mm-hmm. Christmassy or too specific. Like it just somehow, like always, it just nails like the ambiance of the holidays, yeah. regardless of your belief. Mm-hmm. You just feel the holiday season. But the the one that they play the other 10 months of the year, right? it just has such a casual stroll to it like you know some older music it sounds too like it's the roaring 20s and we're out here shaking our hands it's just so (laughs) subtle um and a friend of mine he and his wife they live over in england huge disney fans Mm -hmm. one of the songs in that loop is called will you marry me Hmm. and that was the song that his wife walked down the aisle to oh and you, if, if I were to play it for you right now, you would absolutely know it, it just has such a good rolling hook to it. Now, how come though? Is that an old song for them or they just, I mean, that's not a Disneyland association for them, is it? Or is No, it is. It's a, we love Disney and that's the name of oh, the song. Is. And oh, we okay, love Main okay. Street and that's something they experienced together as a couple oh, okay. in their dating year. So it's a, it was a. You know, a, you know, some most people at the wedding in Italy probably had no idea right, what exactly. that piece was. <laughs> exactly. But there were probably a couple other people like, oh, this yeah. is a very sly Disney shout out. Right. But really, when we look at the past of of Main Street USA, mm-hmm. and this will get us into, you know, thinking about the, the design significance of it. Sure. Is the idea to make Disneyland feel not like it's an amusement park, but like it's its own city Mm -hmm. that is the importance of main street that immediately once you go through the tunnels and you come around you see the beloved town square future episode you get on main street usa you're looking down at the castle right it just it makes it feel like it's the most perfect little city that you've ever been to it is and i really I, i would love to know the experience of a 10-year-old in 2019 mm-hmm. and how they view architecture that's now 120 years old. Yeah. You know, it's so out of their world. What is, like, I would love to be able to have a, a cast sample of kids and be like, explain to me Main Street USA. Yeah. What, are they, what kind of buildings are these? What, right. are they, what do they mean to you? Like, I'd love to hear their language explain it back to us because it was already... You know, an antique in 55. Exactly. And now we're 70 years past that. Right. So how is that consumed by today's young consumer? Oh, that's interesting. I never thought of it that way because it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's old timey, but I don't even think they would have a, 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 you know, even for us, it's old timey, but we might have movies or something that we associate sure. that look with. Do they have that anymore? I don't know. That's I don't interesting. know. I would love to know what their vibe on it is and the way that it's, you know, every building is so perfectly has its color scheme. 
yeah. that, that matches with the next one. And, you know, they do an amazing thing where not only do each of the buildings have, you know, a beautiful base color and then mm-hmm. all the accoutrements are different colors, but the brickwork, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that they go through and the brickwork might be three different shades of like a carnation pink. Right. And it creates this subtle pattern. And, you know, as an artist. Random is the hardest thing ever yes. to design. <laughs> so if we were just like a crew of 10 guys laying brick, whatever brick you give me, it's going in the wall. Mm-hmm. But trying to paint one of those walls and make it look random. Yeah. My hat off to that, <laughs> to that cast member. Right. I mean, and to me, it's amazing that that Main Street exists as it does still. I mean, everything looks new on there every day, all the time. But the fact that they haven't changed it, that they haven't slipped in more modern references or something that they've maintained that, or they haven't said, Oh, this is Mickey's house or something right. like that. Phenomenal. And that they can keep that theme and that sort of transition because while it is like a city, it's not like it leads to other areas of the city. We've got like fantasy land, you know, like main street that leads to a castle. Right. That's not like represented anywhere else in the world. No, except Disneyland. But I think the hardcore part of it is from the train station to, you know, the, the two end restaurants, right? Um, Holly Jolly and Carnation, or the Plaza, Plaza Inn. Mm-hmm. You'll learn on this show that I'm very bad at coming up with names off the top of my head. <laughs> but the way that those two sort of flank the end of it yeah. into you know what's now known as the hub, the partner statue, that whole run through there, that's just enough almost to make you feel like the castle is in a very nice designed park. Right. Exactly. You know, and I have this theory where in both Disney's printed artwork and in the park, there's always three layers of storytelling around mm-hmm. you. So the three layers of main street would be the, if you're standing on the street, you're probably looking around a bush or a tree, or you're looking around one of the gas lamps. Right. You know, so that's the first layer. There's always something you're trying to get around. You know, if you've ever tried to take a photo there, there's always something in the way. Mm-hmm. And that's by, that's completely purposeful, intentional. Right. Because they want you to go around that tree, go around that object that you're, that's in your way. You've now just taken five more steps on your Disney adventure. Mm-hmm. So there's always that first level, which is the thing you kind of got to look around. And then the object of your desire might be Sleeping Beauty's castle. Right. But then the final layer is that behind that, there's more trees. There's a mountain or two. Yeah. And so at all moments, you're like looking around. You're seeing the thing that you love. But there's always the promise that it goes on forever. Right. So when we look at Galaxy's Edge eventually, Mm -hmm. they had to put that rock ravine of space tree trunks and mountains back there. Because that's what tells us. There's not two parking garages on the other side right. of that in Harbor right. Boulevard or Disney Way. On the other side of that is just more space. Yeah. And, you know, the real magic of Disneyland is that we're in the middle of a major metropolitan city. We're not out in the swamp in Florida. Right. Although both are built in Orange County, which is pretty wild. All right. <laughs> so you're inside this place in a major metropolitan area. There's, you know, seven lane highways on the back side of us on mm-hmm. one side, Harbor Boulevard on the other, Disney Way, and then California Adventure. That's what boxes us in, but you never see it. Right. And so that three levels of storytelling is really, really important. And so I, I love that about it. And... One last part of the why of Main Street Mm -hmm. USA, which this is going to break all of our minds right now (laughs) in 2019. But when they opened it up, they needed to make money. Sure. Because Disney is a real corporation. Disney film can't 
just give money to the park. Those are two different businesses. Right. Like you, they just can't pass the money back and forth. So it really needed to make money. And it's hard for us to think this, but at one point, all of those stores were actually stores mm-hmm. with different tenants in there. Right. And it was a way to, we're going to build this park. We're going to make people walk through our customers first so that our customers can be their customers. They can make money and they can pay rent to us. Mm-hmm. And it's so wild to think that eventually they're like, I think we can do this on our own. Yeah. We're Absolutely. Start giving eviction notices here. <laughs> well, I think it was something like the first ten years. That's how Main Street was. It was filled with the other, uh, the outside vendors, or or that eventually after that first ten years, they were able to get everybody out, and that it was just solely Disney-run uh, businesses, restaurants, stores, and things like that. Um, a lot of information on that Plaza Inn and and how. That was a like a sit down restaurant, and and then they said that they couldn't get enough people in and out fast enough, so um, they felt that the buffet style was better. Just really interesting stuff like that that they were constantly because they could have just left those things in there and let them fly for a lot longer. For but sure, to spend that much money, it was like a million dollars just to renovate that thing uh, to make it more like user friendly. That's phenomenal. Yeah, and when you think about the the people flow of Main Street. I think the only thing that will ever jeopardize the future of it will be its restraints of how wide it is. Mm-hmm. And in the bonus content, I have my future spe- <laughs> future speculations on that. But So let's actually jump into the design of, sure. of Main Street and, and what it really was. So something you and I were experiencing last night yeah. is the forced perspective right. of Disneyland. Um, and when I got my first ever illustration gig for the Wonderground Gallery, Mm -hmm. I made sure that I did three things. I made sure I drew the train station because if you draw it from the front, you also get to draw Mickey Mouse and the flowers. (laughs) And I know that the train is what inspired the whole thing. I made sure that I drew Sleeping Beauty's Castle because that is the heartbeat of the park. But I made sure that I got to draw Main Street USA Mm -hmm. because that opening stretch of the park, that's all the emotion for me. Right. And I wanted to make sure that my first ever job, in case I never got hired again, was the most important part of it because I always wanted to be able to look at the castle or look at the train station from out front and just say, at one point in my life as an artist, I was good enough to do that for this company. Right. And nobody can ever <laughs> take that from me. But the forced perspective of Main Street is something that I really studied. And Everybody knows that they look like three-story buildings, right? but we only ever get to go in the first floor. Right. But the real, and so, you know, the first floor is maybe an uh, an overextended in its height. Mm-hmm. Then we borrow a little bit on the second floor, and the third floor is much smaller. So it looks like three stories, but it's probably maybe a little bit more than a two-story building. Right, right. But the real magic of the force perspective is, is that when you're standing in town square, as we were looking last night... The buildings are much taller and they're divided. The The levels of the buildings is much more pronounced and the way their signs are hanging out is way more pronounced. And they're all the horizontal sight lines of their lights mm-hmm. is more aggressive. But as you get down towards the end where refreshment corner is, right. the buildings simplify, they get a little bit not as wide. They get a little bit more narrower. Mm-hmm. Uh, the facades get a little bit more um, simplified. And there's a couple of masterfully planted trees mm-hmm. up in the park up there. And so if you stand next time you go to the park, especially if the sun's out, this works even better. Right. But if you stand where the Christmas tree would be or the Mickey pumpkin and you look at the castle, think about how far away that looks. 
Yeah. We've all walked it a thousand times. This is phenomenal because this was something you showed me last night and I, it had never occurred to me. And I don't know if it's just, you know, it's all sort of subconscious as it's supposed to be, but I was blown away to see that, to see you standing from that side and then reversing that view yes. and, and seeing how short Main Street looks. So if we stand where Mickey and Walt are right. at the, the birth of Main Street mm-hmm. and we look towards the train station, it feels like we could get there in 10 steps. Right. It yeah. makes it feel like small town America. Exactly. So what is your what is your theory on that? Because we all, we've all heard, I think, a lot of these phrases mentioned with the forced perspective and things like that. But what do you think is there... Uh, other than making these buildings look bigger than they are, what do you think, like what we're talking about, where you're looking down towards the castle, why would that be important? Well, because I think that it's the promise of the adventure that you're going to get, right? So you, you've you parked, you've come from San Jose, <laughs> you know, like you've been on this epic journey. Right. You go through the gate and purposefully you can't see it right away. Right. You're in the town square. You're really kind of forced to live in this small town community, you know, yeah. the thoroughfare. The If you watch any cowboy or Western films, you know, this is where all the business happens here. And that's where they put the bank, you know, the art gallery used to be a Bank of America and the old opera house and towns, uh, the, the city hall and the fire department. So it's really the, the industry of small town Disneyland. So then when we come around where the Christmas tree or the pumpkin goes... Mm-hmm. That's when you see off in the distance, this this is going to be a different day. Yeah. This is going to be a different kind of journey. And, and really what it is, is, it's setting up at that castle is the heartbeat of the park. Right. And if you do it during the daytime, if you're a designer, you know that everything in planet Earth, as it goes off to the distance, it becomes more blue. Mm-hmm. The castle purposefully has blue hues in it. Even though it's painted pink, pink now, right, right. it has sort of a, you know, it's always partnered next to blue trim and lit. And, lit. Sure. Yeah. and so what that does to your eyes and the way that the trees are behind it is it makes that castle feel like it's going to be so long to get there and it's going to be such a journey. And I really think that if you just walk, it's human nature. Like if you walked in yeah, and let's just pretend that the tunnel was underneath the train. Right, right. So if you just came right in and you saw it all at once, that's Mm -hmm. one magic trick that's been lost. And if the castle just sat at the edge of the park and the buildings were all a regular height and the road wasn't graded uphill just a little bit, you'd be like, that's it? Yeah. That's what I paid my money for? (laughs) And you know, really, Florida people probably laugh at how small our castle is. Right. But I would always say this. If you lived in California, you'd be stoked to own Sleeping Beauty. And you'd be like, yeah, my brother lives out in Florida. He's got a mansion of a house, but he lives, you know what I mean? Like California real estate. Yeah, exactly. I mean, do you think Sleeping Beauty was on a budget too? But really, I think that that is set up to mentally get you like, yeah. this is going to be a journey. It does physically make a very small park seem instantly bigger than it is. 100%. Yeah. And I think that's amazing. I mean, I think that's the magic of that whole park too. Like we talked about this before, but just that, like you were saying how uh, when you're standing on Main Street or, or sort of on the side there, that just over this, like one row of trees, not a forest, <laughs> but just one row of trees and there's Jungle Cruise. Yes. And you'd have no idea that that's there. There's nothing that hints that that's there. It just looks like trees growing by the building. So 100%. Yeah. I always tell people this, you know, when I'm giving people a tour and explaining mm-hmm. how the park is designed, because uh, I don't know every bit of the history, but I'm a student of the design. When you're standing in, in at the base of Main Street, 
Think about how far away that Jungle Cruise yeah. feels. Yeah. Because you got to go all the way up to the hub. You got to hook a left. You got to get into Adventureland. You got to go through a queue. Skipper holds your elbow in a weird way when you get onto a boat. <laughs> <laughs> you know that that yeah. appropriate touch. Slightly, yeah. And <laughs> then you go on this journey, but you're 30 feet away from that Jungle yeah. Cruise. Yeah. You know, 30 feet away from it. And it feels emotionally like it's on... It feels like it's in the Nile. Like right. it feels like it's that far away. Um, so, and here's a Jungle Cruise fun fact for you. Okay. It's, there's two islands in there that you go around. Mm-hmm. One island is Manhattan and the other island is Catalina. Each island oh. named after an island on the West Coast and an island on the East Coast. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. So when you're there and it's that straightaway and you see the castle, mm-hmm. it, it's once again... The magic of it is, is that all those lines are just telling your little brain, move forward. Yeah. Move into the light. And it really is the best people move forever. Right. Because when you go into Disneyland, there's not an option. What do we want to go to the left? We went to the left last time. But Larry likes to go to the right. We go to the center. (laughs) It's not. It's like, hey, you just keep going. Yeah. And it really just keeps that flow of tens of thousands of people just cruising on down the way. Right. And, you know, so that just the idea of we're going to make this main artery, everybody's going to have to go the same way. And then when they get to the end, they can make their decisions. They can decide. And we'll get 10,000 people to go here and 10,000 people to go here and 10,000 go that way. And so just the actual design Mm -hmm. of human beings and how they think, like you're literally being herded. Like sheep right. when you walk down that that road, right? But Design. you don't mind, right? The music's great, smells are awesome, the, the 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 sights are fantastic. So you just cruise. I was noticing too last night while we were looking at this, the um, and, and this goes along with what you were saying about sort of directing people in. Please move on to the to the hub. Um, but the stores themselves don't sort of scream at you. Like they don't tell you like, this is the t-shirt store and this is where you get this. Or, you know, there's not things jutting out to sort of stop you on your way. Uh, and so how do you think that that works for them? Like, what do you think the psychology is behind that? Like, don't stop on the shops on your way in. You'll have plenty of time to do that when the park stays open for an additional hour. Oh, for our shopping convenience. Right. Like, sweet, sweet prints. <laughs> like even the ice cream shop, there's even some sort of fake fronts that sort of advertise shops that really don't exist beyond there and stuff. So is it just the power that they know that people on the way out will stop at these shops? Well, I think it's a couple of things. I think that they know that they have a captive audience. Mm -hmm. Once you're in there, you're in there. Right. I mean, you'd have to be an insane person to be like, we're going to get the kids out of the park, leave, go to McDonald's because it's going to be $2 cheaper and then come back in. Right. Like only a crazy person on an insane budget would have to do that. Uh, So I know they have a contained audience Mm -hmm. and I think that it also adds to that discovery that is Disneyland. Mm -hmm. Oh, Penny Arcade. I'm going to go in there and get high score in sugar. You know, like (laughs) it's not an arcade whatsoever anymore, you know, and and Gibson Grill or is it Gibson Girl? Girl. Gibson Girl. (laughs) I wish it was a girl. (laughs) But, you know, you go in there and nothing about that says ice cream. Mm -hmm. You know, conventional thank you would be like put a big ice cream out there. Exactly. Do a neon sign where you see the scoop fall into the cone. But it's just also subtle and Mm -hmm. classic. And I think that that really comes with that downtown Disney is where commerce is. Yeah. But Main Street USA is a land. Right. And a land 
gets treated different than a shopping plaza. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it still has to abide by the Disney code of conduct that a land is all about the theming and, and the magic to make you feel like you're in the 1900s. Right. Or you're in the frontier or you're in kind of Tomorrowland. Kind of. I was going to say tomorrow. We'll get to that. <laughs> Don't get me started is the way we should say that. But one of the things that Disney does better than anybody, mm-hmm. and this is where their superiority and other uh, entertainment plazas is way different, is Disney has been able to figure out how to build the best walls ever. Yeah. And I know we're in a moment where walls is a thing to talk about. <laughs> but Disney uses a lot of things as a wall or as a barrier mm-hmm. to basically snake you through the the plot of land that they have. Right. Because one idea would think that Disneyland could be this almost a maze where you come into it and there's a couple of options right out of the gate. And you right. go this way and you go that way. But the design of it is really very smart to get everybody into the dead center and then let them go off into these different pockets. That's how mm-hmm. you make the most out of it and keep people the furthest away from each other. So when we look at things like Radiator Springs mm-hmm. or the Galaxy's Edge or um, Grizzly Peak, mm-hmm. these things are great attractions. But even better than that, they're great walls mm. you know, right, to keep right. people on the other side. So when we look at the construction of Galaxy's Edge and how, oh, no, they're going to ruin the rivers of right. America. No, they trimmed a little bit off. They gave it a much needed update. They put in waterfalls mm-hmm. and bridges and rock work. Looks great. And that's a really great practice of that now is a wall that keeps us in the rivers of America. And on the other side of that valley is the galaxy's edge. Right. And so when we think about Main Street USA, on the left side or the west side, it's a wall. So we don't see how close the jungle cruise right. is. And on the right, it's a wall. So we don't see a much-needed backstage area. Right. Because this all could have been different if Walt would have built the second street that he wanted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once they open, they realize, ooh, put in an international street on the backside of America right. would be a bad idea. And as much as I would like that to be there for more decor and mm-hmm. things to look at, I, I think that it would lose a lot of its charm if there was that secondary street to go down. Right. So, but there was talk also of, of the Edison square too. Is that to be off of main street yeah. as well? And that would still sort of, I mean, I don't know. Was that, I don't know enough about that. I probably shouldn't have brought it up, but <laughs> like, was that supposed to be a different, yet a different time, like a further back time or just like work in the thematically this, this concept into what's there already. You know, they had a lot of different ideas yeah. on that parcel of land and how to keep that theming going. Mm -hmm. And I think that that was kind of, you know, as a designer, before you start a project, you have these ideas of things that you think you're going to need. Right. And I think once they got going, they realized, oh, retail is not going to be the heart of this. Yeah. And, and also think about this. If, if those streets in Edison square, and I've also heard of an idea of like a Liberty square, like if Mm -hmm. all that stuff gets built, where does the parade go? Right. <laughs> you know, we would we would never have this magical warehouse space. Yeah. Because if you're a hardcore fan, you know that the first parade, well, that always starts at Tomorrowland. Mm-hmm. But the second one magically starts 
in front of the opera house right because it's all sitting there you know there's not this magical loop-de-loop and regardless of what you've been told there is no underground of Disneyland California. Right. That's a Florida concept. Uh, in the state of California, it is illegal to build basements. They didn't have the uh, the hindsight to build the whole thing on a stage. Right, right, right. So I can assure you there's not a secret tunnel system that, that's not there. Uh, anybody who tells you that is either thinking of Florida or just telling you something for yeah. the fun of telling you. <laughs> Ask them a lot of other questions. You'll be interested in what you find. <laughs> but no, I, I think that you know, if you if you really want to break down the brilliance of Main Street USA, mm-hmm. is it's one of the fanciest walls you've ever seen, and this wall generates a ton of money, right? And it keeps you in the pocket, and you know that'll be something that we talk about a lot on this show is the boxing in, you know, the boxing in of the guest, mm-hmm. so that when you're on stage, you can only see what they want you to see, right? And you know, we were talking about this last night. It's mind-numbing once again how close you are to the physical space mountain when you're on main right, street right like exactly. it sits behind right it basically there. yeah and once again because of going up to the hub going past those beautiful french fry rocks uh <laughs> avoiding a lot of things right space trash and then you you take that right hook you feel like whoa we've just walked really really far you've basically done a way out of your way yes you turn right exactly i think a lot of this stuff came sort of clear to me too when uh california adventure first opened now did you see that park before the big remodel when i saw it in 2010 10 okay it the construction walls were up they were okay so i saw you know the the golden gate bridge that you Mm -hmm. walked underneath that postcard theme that some genius came up with Uh, but (laughs) but there was yeah sorry but there was just construction walls everywhere yeah um and so then the next time i would come back uh carthay circle would be there oh okay. so i only have this one weird memory of like coming in and hitting a, a construction wall and in all fairness when you've never been there before, yeah. I thought it was great. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was great. And I ha- also have a memory of when we were thinking about moving out here, mm-hmm. um, looking over the construction walls and somebody being like, that's going to be Cars Land. Oh, right. Like, oh, that right. movie I haven't seen yet? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. And it kind of looked like mountains. But right. I mean, right. at this point in my life, I could not imagine that park without... That beautiful theming mm-hmm. on uh, was it Bona Vista Street? Bona Vista Street, right? I couldn't imagine it without that theming, and for sure, nobody can think of California Adventure without Cars Land. Now. Right, exactly. But to to look at those two parks in conjunction with each other, and that if you had seen it before, to to not have that what Main Street does so well, and to walk into that into sort of a central plaza without knowing, you know, because it's not set up as like a hub based as Disneyland is. And so there is sort of this confusion and maybe it's because you just don't know the story yet of this park. Uh, And so while it is discrete sections, you don't, nothing was intuitive about it. And so it's interesting to see that they did fall back right back onto sort of an updated main street to sort of fix that entrance to the park. Yeah. And even to this day, I, I love California Adventure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I absolutely adore it. I am not a hater whatsoever. Right. But it it's not as a superior design um, as its big brother or big sister, and um, it is confusing. Mm-hmm. Like when because the hub isn't as central, central right. and as pronounced, 
there is a bit of chaos yeah. in front of the Starbucks Christmas tree, Carthay <laughs> Circle. I mean, right. There's right. a lot of, and you you rarely ever bump into anybody when you're in the central hub of Disneyland. Mm-hmm. But that area through there, there's a lot of decision to be making. There's a lot of different ways to get to where you want to go. Yes. Um, and, you know, I might suggest... It would be nice if they would just take, uh, you know, the, the storefronts there on your left right. and maybe just cut out that, you know, like I feel like if they cut that out, maybe remove that fountain and just took all of that space and kind of started over for like a very central type design. Mm-hmm. It could get people where they need to go. Now, somebody's right. like, dude, we just put all that in. We're not ripping yeah, it out. Yeah, exactly. But it, it still has a, a very confusing kind of rhythm to it, mm-hmm. which only shows how well they got the Disneyland idea right. right. But, you know, whether you're looking down Main Street and it all feels so far away, or as we said, if you're standing where Walt's standing and it now looks like small town USA, like those walls, that idea to just get people out of the the middle of the park one way or the other, Mm -hmm. the master of that design is it feels like you're in a village. Mm -hmm. It feels like you're in a little city. And whatever they got it decorated for, it just feels so right. Yeah. And for them to nail that with 1953 brains yeah. and then to be able to build that in 11 months, it's unbelievable that you think about it. What we're talking about today is four buildings. Yeah. It's four, not even Walmart sized buildings right. <laughs> where some genius was like, instead of just having four shops. Let's put some facades on these. Let's mix it up. Let's not only make it feel like it's so far away with the force perspective, but let's make it feel like it's 16 shops. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we were last night looking at so many of them that are just either a stairway to the upstairs right, right. or another extension of like the now the Starbucks. You mm-hmm. know, it just it, the way that it's all put together, it just really sells that that village effect. And I wonder if a lot of that came from sort of like movie set building. You know? Oh, it had to be. Right? You know? because that Have you been mentality. on any of the lots around here? Not where I've just walked. I mean, it's always been like a Universal Studio tour yeah. or something like that. But I was fortunate enough to one year I got asked to go set up my booth at um, a CBS mm-hmm. lot. They shoot CSI uh, out towards Ventura County. Maybe it's in Ventura County. Mm. I can't think of the, the town that it's in. But. I went there and they're shooting CSI and they were working during the holiday. So they wanted to bring out a bunch of vendors so that the CSI people could shop on their lunch break. Oh. So we were there to entertain them basically and give them a, a an ability to get some good stuff on long shooting right. days. So they were just like totally cool. And I ended up, you know, because of doing art and design, the, the set designer guy like took me under his own, under his wing and was mm. like showing me around. Nice. And so one of the things that they did and this comes from the Disneyland idea is they basically were in an industrial park and they had built a fence on two sides of this square. Right. And the fence that they built was just a bunch of buildings. Right. So they, they don't want people to look in when they shoot. They don't want them to be able to shoot outside. So they just basically built a fence that was a facade of buildings. Mm-hmm. I've never seen so many buildings fit into such a smaller place. Yeah. And I asked, how deep are those? And they're like, oh, go open that door. That door opens. And when you open the door, it's literally enough room for two or three actors. To just fit in. To fit in. And hear somebody <laughs> be like, rolling. And then open the door and come out. And, you know, so it's got to be that Hollywood idea of yeah. pack as much in a little space. 
And one of the things I'm very fascinated about is people that do scout locations or, or, or mm-hmm. um, location scouting is, you know, that they can look at a street and go, if we shoot from this corner, right. don't go past that sign, don't go over that mailbox. That looks like everything that we need. Right. And even when they shoot in your neighborhood, you're like, God, How did they get? Yeah. I've never seen 4th Street look so big before, right. you know, right. so they do such a good job. So, yeah, I think that that, that building... You know, the way that they put that all together, that's got to be movie magic, that right? movie magic yeah. for sure. Yeah. You know, So they have four buildings there. And, you know, a fun fact is that all of those facades were built over in the, the opera house. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the, the mill. And so workers would go over there and just build up these fronts, take them down Main Street, pin them onto the front of it and just did it all right there. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, and then you look at like the craftsmanship of all these little details that really don't have to be there. How much time and energy and money <clears throat> they spent to do that and to maintain that even now is just phenomenal. One of the reasons why I really love Bob Iger is Bob Iger has said, with Disneyland, I want to use every inch of it. Mm-hmm. I don't want, you know, I don't want to just buy buildings because we can. Right. I don't want to buy things, tear them down and have people go over harbor. Like, I wanted to use up every bit of space as efficiently as possible. Right. Love that mindset. And so when we really look at the design of Main Street, it's all the things that we've said. But on top of that, the street is also a stage. Yes. The buildings are a canvas. And whether it's something wild like putting an Olympic swimming pool (laughs) down Main Street, USA. (laughs) Eight part Netflix series coming from me on that. That's right. Or covering it with sheets of ice. Mm. So for a holiday special, they could put snow everywhere. And if you look on YouTube, you can see footage of Mickey and Minnie. I have to look that Ice up. skating down Main Street. Yeah. Because they got a snow. That's magical. So magical. But it's also an arena. Yeah. Where we hold people for the parade, for the fireworks. Because it's the heart of the park. Mm-hmm. And really... The magic of Disney, and I'll say this a billion times, right. is, you know, everything there to really be justified, it needs to be able to do a couple of things. So the fact that this is in and out, mm-hmm. shopping, makes money, but also where we can literally at the end of the night house tens of thousands of people mm-hmm. to get that kiss goodbye that Walt always wanted to give. And then after the fireworks are all over, they all turn around they load up their strollers and they head out. I mean, the fact that all of that is really just a big place to hold people. And now as technology is moving forward, like right. when they built this in 55, they never thought, I bet one day we'll do project, pro, projection imaging on right. all these buildings. Right. <laughs> right. And, and make the fireworks beautiful from wherever you're at. Would you say if there was an option, if space was not an issue in Disneyland, which it always is, would you think uh, Main Street should be longer? Or do you think it should stay the size that it is and just that space should go to other sections of the park? Because you look at sort of where the hub is, you look at Town Square, they could have filled that with, with shops or yeah. some other way, yeah. but they didn't. And they left it at that specific size. Do you think it should be longer than it is if space wasn't an issue? I think the two blocks is just perfect mm-hmm. to sell it. You know, because yeah. I feel like when I was at Disneyland Paris, right. it felt a little bit longer. And they also did something in Paris that really makes sense for their climate. There's the main street that you go down. And then on the back side of the east and west side, there is a covered walkway. Yeah. And it's really beautiful. It's not just like an industrial, right, like, right. here, you need to get out. I yeah. mean, it's got the 
it's got the Victorian woodwork everywhere. It's exactly. got the signs. It, it, it's been all the shops have a front entry and a back entry. Uh, but it kind of, you know, theirs is also much wider. Uh-huh. They were much more aware with the sidewalks. And um, it just doesn't have, it just doesn't have that same vibe. I would, if you could give me that same construction budget. Yeah. And if I could somehow magically make California Adventures thoroughfare oh a block longer right because that one feels like it's just kind of there tight tight yeah you know you're like you're on it and then you're off of it right, right. and you know the the monorail going over the middle of it, it cuts it in half yeah so it feels even squattier right, right. and when you come into their sort of town square area mm-hmm. it's not there's not really any defined lines over right, there it's right. real loosey-goosey right um and i think that you really see the art of the force perspective and capturing the customer in disneyland mm-hmm. when you see it done similar but not the same right no i feel the same way tokyo has a similar thing as paris i think where a lot of it the majority of it is covered because of the climate stuff they have side streets uh with uh, with shops and everything and i found that just it was kind of neat because there were you know it was just something different and that right. uh, but the charm was completely gone it just felt more functional like more functional shops and no eye towards like uh I don't know. There's something almost toyish about Disneyland. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the scale. Yeah. And you, when that's gone, it's a completely different feeling. Yeah. And that toyish vibe compared with, or, at, you know, when you add in the music and mm-hmm. the soundtracking and the smells and the experiences, like it really, it really is a very strong land. Mm-hmm. And I know to most people, land means attraction. Right. Yeah. You know, that. You know, when people look at Star Wars land, so many people are just excited for those two attractions. Mm-hmm. It's not at the top of my list. I know I've already said that, but I right. really think that, you know, Disneyland, if that was just an experience you could do all on your own, you're like, that's the best mall I ever went to. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it looks that way. You know, presently when we look at it, the shops have all migrated. Yeah. They're now all four of the buildings. You know, it's all owned by Disney. Um, but I would encourage you, if you're there and you're looking for a little bit of a different experience and you're with somebody that has patience... Go through all four of them. Yeah. You know, there's some real good gems in there. Uh, in the back of the Penny Arcade, there's that organ that mm-hmm. will tell you that it's going to perform in seven minutes. Right. There's the Pinocchio that you can put money in and it'll we'll dance around it. for you. Mm-hmm. And so there, there still is some really good gems and some really good decor. I love the train in that, that in toy, toy section. Yep. It's so good. And I love watching. It's mostly always the, the women that are working in the, the ice cream area, putting together the cones yep. and smashing things and putting it together. And, you know, so there's there's really good stuff that that's happening there. But when I look at a present day, I think the thing that makes me the happiest is the fact that, you know, it was all started by a mouse. Right. <laughs> but let's, that's really, that's simplifying a big idea. I do love that at any given moment that they give the nod to Steamboat Willie mm-hmm. and that the theater plays it. It's on the marquee. Showcase. And I just it. really think that that's a really cool thing. You know, 70 years later, hey, this is where we came from. This is our roots. Absolutely. You know, and in this time period, you know, because it's all about context. This film that most kids would care less about now, it right. would have blown your mind yeah. if you could have walked down this street in its current day and watched that film. 
Yeah, it's amazing that that has survived, that yeah. that hasn't been sort of changed into just sort of a tribute or a statue or something right. like that and use that space for either shops or a restaurant or even like we were saying, a photo op of some sort, that that little theater stays and it still plays that cartoon and and it's just cute. <laughs> it exists only for that for that purpose. But when I look at the future of Disneyland, because mm-hmm. it's never done, always evolving, right. here are a couple of my thoughts about the future before we wrap up today's okay. first episode. I think if I'm going to speculate on the future, Disneyland specifically yeah. seems to keep trying to cater to a high-end customer experience. Hmm. I think that they've become very aware that their core part of the, you know, there's the vacationers. Mm-hmm. And what do you do when you're on vacation? You're a little bit loose with swiping right. that card, Spend right? Money. And they also know that they have... You know, a large chunk of Southern California natives, that that's where they take their kids, where they live their life. And they know that those folks have um, a higher standard of living maybe than the rest of the country, Mm -hmm. you know. Because one thing that you got to say, and I hear this all the time, is that the food at Disneyland is fantastic compared to the food in the other parks. Mm -hmm. And that's because Southern Mm -hmm. California folks, they're not going to go someplace that has bad food. Right. So I think that Main Street is going to need to somehow cater to formal dining. Hmm. Like I see that in the future, they need to figure out a way. Each part of the park will need to have, there's Vacation Jones, there's Local Guy, and then there's Ready to Spend mm-hmm. family, you know. Right. And I think that formal dining is going to somehow become a part of it. I don't know if some stores are, are done or maybe if, Heaven forbid something happens Tomorrowland and they they continue that vibe in that direction. Right. That that would probably be something that would happen. But I think formal dining will be in there somewhere. And when I think of formal dining, I think of you have all those rooftops. Yeah. I mean, would it be so impossible to create an entryway to one of those rooftops that could be either, you know, you book a booth for a a couple hundred dollars per booth or you can rent it out as a, a party space. Right. Um, you know, so I would think that the price on one of those rooftops, if you could do a formal rental for your party or, you know, the ultimate date night package where mm-hmm. you get a booth, you watch the fireworks, fireworks. they serve a, a great dinner. Like, you know, when we looked at Club 33 and last night we were in the jazz salon, right. jazz club, like that was built on top of a building that was already there. Right. Park never had to close. Guests never had to suffer. Built a couple of bridges. Right. Some people cried that it ruined the vibe of uh, New Orleans area. Those people haven't got to eat in the club. <laughs> but I believe that, you know, and this, whenever I give my future cast yeah. on the park, I believe I will always try to tell you something that I think is possible, that's feasible, and that there's a desire or a need for. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, Club 33 is nice. There's the, the two different levels of that. But I, I don't see why they don't offer something that's not at a club member level for the person that's going there that's willing to spend four hundred, five hundred dollars for a dinner. Yeah. That so, that wants that I want to give my significant other, I want to give my family the best treatment I can, but I'm not gonna become an annual member of something that cost me tens of thousands of dollars to do that. So are you thinking like a blue bayou kind of situation where it's like a one hundred percent themed to the land? Like it's a fancier version of that land and a little, not exclusive in that you have to have a membership, like you said, but just that it might cost a little more than 
yeah. a fast food thing. Give it a Mary Poppins theme. Right. You know, right. put the waiters and the waitresses in that sort of attire and, mm-hmm. you know, put it up there. And, you know, there's a, a way to do it far. I believe, I mean, if I'm thinking about it correctly, there's a way to be far enough back so that people aren't on Main Street going, throw me a bread roll. Right, right. Or, right. you know, like there's not some yeah. rich shaming you. <laughs> so I think you could, and not people on top of the building, be like, get out of here, you garbage humans. Yeah. So I feel like that there's a way where you could be on the rooftop and not ruin it for anybody else. Right. But right. have one unbelievable firework show. Yeah, absolutely. And just a view of the park, you know, because mm-hmm. the thing that bummed me out most about the hotel not getting built uh, at the at the end of at the head of uh, downtown Disney was right. they were going to build a restaurant rooftop restaurant a premier dining experience mm-hmm. premier fireworks experience and so I just really think that you know if Main Street's to evolve they keep you know trying to make decisions to engage that higher customer and I think you know there's the that place that we saw um, in New Orleans Square where it's twelve thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars for twelve people to have right, dinner right right there's a middle ground in sure there. you know sure. there's something better than blue bayou right but not at the club 33 level mm-hmm. you know and i think that that's a pocket that they would love to fill and you know to have a beautiful fireworks experience and to be up high like that i mean people wouldn't do it all the time but people would splurge for seven hundred dollars as a once in a lifetime type yeah. of opportunity where would you do you have any thoughts on where that would be like which building would be the instinctively i feel like i wanted to be on the west side uh-huh. so yeah. that you could look over and see the jungle and see right. the boats going through and kind of get that two levels of storytelling to do it on the east side it would really just depend on what becomes of the east right you Beyond, know and you're right i'm a really big fan of taking the main street vibe i'm, I'm a big fan of Losing Tomorrowland <laughs> and just letting Fantasyland and Main Street USA meet, meet. somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. You know, I would really love to see them do some Disney theming over there. So that's one of my predictions for the future. And also, sadly, I have to say that I believe that the music shop, the magic shop, and the theater are all on borrowed time. <laughs> just after we said how charming <laughs> the theater is, you've closed it down. I mean, they're so antiquated. They're, they don't have mm-hmm. the draw. And I mean, I know that if, if we were to look at Disneyland, there's other patches that probably need to be plugged first. But I just, I can't imagine that magic shop being there in 2030. What if we take Mr. Lincoln out of the Opry House, shove him in that Steamboat Willie thing. Now you got a whole building over there <laughs> that you could do something with. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that that's another attraction that's on borrowed time too, mm-hmm. you know. But do you think it should be just more shops where that is? Or do you think that's where a restaurant or something else should take the place of that little row of, of, of the magic shop? And I mean, I think that Main Street USA should always be like a consumer focused area. Right. Uh, and that little those are all three like right together mm-hmm. yeah so i mean it would be a it would be a real shame to take out that history cuz like the magic shop still appears to have original flooring original right. fixtures right. the whole thing is completely outdated oh yeah <laughs> I mean, yeah just the concept of it but but the three of those together if that just got ripped out and it was like a micro world of disney that yeah. would bring a tear to my eye but right. if if they can replace the essence of the park with more essence of the park. I, I right. Think it, I think it could be cool. I mean, or maybe a Mickey shop and you can keep that steamboat Willie playing in the Mickey shop or yeah. something like that. Or, I mean, or it would build be, it around a theater theme. 
uh, something like that. I would love to see them though in the consumer space to do shops that are more themed and less catch all. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I prefer the shops on the east side of Main Street more so because they are themed. You know, even though I don't buy crystals, I do like right. going in there and be like, well, it looks like a little crystal shop. Yeah. Whereas when you get on the western side, you don't know where one's beginning and one's right. ending. And, right. you know, there's there's so many different um, categories within the shop. So I do think that that's all on borrowed time. And I also believe that at some point in the future, mm-hmm. we're going to probably be looking at more formal walkways. I don't know if they'll do a formal uh, walkway on the west side that it got you right on the Jungle Cruise. Oh, oh the back alley. Kind yeah. Of right? so, yeah. Okay. But I do believe that on the east side, that gate that they magically open up sometimes. Right. That's going to probably end up being something that needs to be open all, all the, time. the time. And if it's open all the time, then it's going to need a proper theming. Mm-hmm. And so who knows if something over there, like if that all just had like a nice facade thrown on it and led up to maybe this higher end place. Like uh, I, I right. feel like that area could use it. But then once again, where do we put our parade equipment? So right. that I feel like that area of the park, because it's so close to Harbor, there's mm-hmm. not room to grow. Right. It's going to be right. very interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if Tomorrowland becoming stagnant. It's just because there's something major in the works that's going to literally go from the head of Main Street all the way to the edge of Fantasyland. Right. That all of that kind of needs to be brought to the demands of the future. Interesting. See, this is where I go back and start doing that uh, rabbit hole that you keep uh, making me do is looking at the aerial views of the park and seeing where these little (laughs) pockets of space are and like, what's that building? We can get rid of that building. And why is this using up so much space? But as it is, pretty perfectly designed. Would you say Main Street is the perfectly themed area of Disneyland? And maybe we get into this in other episodes as we go into those lands, but it does a pretty amazing job of doing what it's supposed to do. I would say the Disneyland's Main Street USA. Yeah. If we're going to go from Town Square, which will be another episode, Mm -hmm. up to the hub, I say it's the most perfectly designed Mm -hmm. land in all of the park. Okay. 70 years, no major overhauls. Right. No, oopsie, we need to redo it. We need to replace it. I mean, Frontierland is ambiguous where it begins and where it ends. Right. Adventureland is nice maybe has some of the best attractions Mm -hmm. but suffers from the walkways weren't designed to be big enough Mm -hmm. and the shops encroached on the the customer space uh critter country is right a great postcard uh (laughs) fantasy land is absolutely beautiful and is a close runner up for Mm -hmm. second place right but it does have its sort of industrial flaws Mm -hmm. uh and toontown could use a bucket of paint and a little bit of love, but I'm a real believer in it. It's coming back. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the putting in a Mickey attraction yeah. in there yeah. and, and, you know, I don't know how much longer Roger Rabbit has. It's... Yeah, I don't know. It seems very out of touch, you know, with, with today's consumer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I went to the park for a couple of years before I even knew it was there. Did you ride it? Did you do the attraction? Yeah, I wrote okay. it. I, you know, I've done everything in the park, but the teacups. Yeah. No. Yeah. And those canoes. I'm not going to go to Disneyland. Right. Or work. <laughs> Were you crazy? <laughs> Were you crazy? I go there to get away from working, but no, I would have to say that main street USA as for the 70 year review, 
seems like it's the most perfect yeah. thing that they built. We can challenge that as we move through the the different areas of the park, but I think you're right. Yeah, I, I, and just that staying power. Mm-hmm. The ideas never become outdated, and it really goes to show that if you build everything based off of like a classic, it's built to last. Right. Tomorrowland, opposite, the opposite of yeah. that, and you yeah. know, an ambitious, a great idea, but really suffers from the inevitable, which is nobody knows what's going to happen next. Right. But if you go back to something, and that goes to my theory that in the future, when they make design decisions, they're going to lean into mid-century modern mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, craftsmen. You know, the 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 staples of California design. Right. I think when right. we look at this redo of main street usa or uh, i'm sorry of downtown disney yeah we're seeing architectural styles that aren't going to age out right like splitsville will look cool 50 years from now right that's absolutely right absolutely okay what do you say we get into our bonus content today absolutely and thank everybody for hanging out and going down main street and looking at the design of it and i would love to challenge you the next time you go there if you do anything just stand where the christmas tree is and go (laughs) That looks pretty far away. <laughs> and then walk to the edge uh, before the grade goes up to where Walt and Mickey are and look back and go, that looks really close. Yes. I was blown away. That, that's a magic trick to show your friends. And if you enjoyed that coming up in part two, I'm going to give you some fun facts about Main Street. I'm going to give you my hacks on how to get the best parade and nighttime show experience. Mm. We got the Mickey show dropping later this month, so that'll come in handy for you. And also, Jared and I are going to look at the ticket prices. And we have an opinion that may shock you. But hey, thank you so much for going to Disneyland with us. I hope you had a good time. If you're a local, we hope to see you out in the park. And if you live far away, hopefully we brought you there with us for a little bit of time. Thank you so much for listening to the first ever episode of Disneyland for Designers. I hope that you learned a lot about the design and the history and the magical way that the park is put together. If you'd like to hear the bonus content, please go over to my website, aid.network. That's the adventuresindesign.network where I've been able to bring almost 900 episodes out to my listeners each day talking to someone who found a way to turn their daydream into their day job, going down the adventure of whenever you want to build something that you believe in. It takes a lot of hard work, and it takes your friends to help you get across that finish line, other people to help you believe in your dream, and to know that you're worthy of whatever it is that you want to accomplish. So to all the guests and all my friends on the show, each workday, we get one step closer to realizing how we can build our own castle and our very own kingdom. I hope you enjoyed Disneyland for Designers, and I hope you'll consider telling a friend about all the fun that we had and leave the show a positive review and share it where possible. The more people we can invite over and help the show grow, the better chance it is that it'll be here for you each and every month to explore a different part of Disneyland and the design tips and tricks of how the Imagineers put it all together for you and I to have the most magical experience possible. If you want to hear part two, visit AID.network. But if not, we'll see you back here next month when Jared and I get into another part of our favorite place on planet Earth, Disneyland. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for joining us. Have a very magical day. And I hope we see you soon at 1313 Disneyland Drive.